Good morning, everybody. We are glad that you're here. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And, uh, I want to turn this heat down just a little bit. chapter 4. As sure as my name is Andrew Plank, I am pretty well convinced that there are Christians maybe here in other churches this morning that are sitting at church and they have let Satan get a stronghold in their life. They've let Satan build a, a fort. They've let Satan build a beachfront in their life and it's harming them. It's helping, it's keeping them from being all that they could be in Jesus Christ. It's contaminating their life, it's contaminating their family's life, and it's contaminating their church life. And the devil has found an unclean place in our heart, and he has built a foul nest. He has built a beachhead, a stronghold, and, and he uses that stronghold to war against God and his work. And in Ephesians chapter 4, I want us to begin reading this morning in verse 22, and we'll read to the end of the chapter. Verse 22 of Ephesians 4. That ye put off concerning the former conversation or lifestyle the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness, and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Two verses I want us to look at right away here. First is verse 27. Paul tells us there, neither give place to the devil. And then he follows it up in verse 30 that says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. I usually use a new King James Version. I'm using the King James this morning because I love the way the King James translates Verse 27, when he says, neither give place to the devil. Uh, other translations say, don't give a foothold to the devil. Don't give opportunity to the devil. Well, what does it mean to give a peace or give place or give, 
Give the devil a piece of our heart. And, and let me illustrate it this way. What if you had 50 acres? And I, I came up to you and said, you know what? I wish I had about an acre right in the middle of your 50 acres. And you say, well, you know what? I don't need 50 acres. I'll sell that to you. So you sell me an acre of your land and we go to the courthouse and do all the legal things that are necessary to transfer property from you to me. And I get settled on my place. And what you don't know is I like old junky cars. So I bring all my old junky cars and I set them up there on that, that acre right in the middle of your land. And oh, by the way, I don't like to cut grass. And so I let the grass grow up. I don't like to weed it either. So I let all the grass grow up around all those junky cars. And, and I don't like to paint, so I, I, I just bring in an old trashy camper, and that's what I'm going to live in. And I like music, though. And not only do I have surround sound inside my camper, I put it outside my camper on all four corners. And guess what I like to do? At midnight. I like to come outside in all the grass I've got with all my, all my junky cars and, and I turn on rap music as loud as that volume will go. And oh, by the way, I have bass woofers too. And so it really, it goes. And so you're in your bed and you're shaking with all that stuff I've got in the land. So you decide, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk to me about that plan, right? And you'll say, well, I don't like all this junky cars, and I don't like all that music, and you need to cut your grass, and you need to, and you know what my answer to you is going to be? You sold me that land. You gave it to me. I've got every right to go in. You say, well, get out, and I'll say, no, I'm not going, and you can't make me. Because if we go to court, I've got a legal right to be there. That'd be a mess, wouldn't it? But can I tell you that that is what Christians all over have done? We've given Satan a piece of our heart. That we said belongs to Jesus Christ. We trusted Jesus as our Savior. We trusted Jesus as our Lord. But we've given, it, given him a piece of our heart. And he has taken root. And he has built this house. And he has built a stronghold. And he will not leave. Now, we've been talking about walking in the fear of the Lord, and if it's your desire to walk in the fear of the Lord, can I encourage you to listen this morning? I want to tell you something that I, that I think is going to help. Uh, now, this morning, I try to preach very encouraging messages because I think that's important for a pastor to do, to encourage us. We have enough discouragement in our lives to, to last three lifetimes with what we're going through today. But today's lesson may plow a little bit close to the corn. Uh, as a preacher friend of mine, I, I may go from preaching to meddling a little bit today, but if I do, I'm not going to apologize because before I preached it to you, the Lord preached it to me all week. Amen? Amen. And so I figure if I've been in misery, I might as well pass some of that along uh, <laughs> to you guys. But what do we mean when we give Satan a piece of our heart? Well, the same thing we said about the guy that moved into our land. We can't get rid of him. We've given him the right to be there. We've let him take hold. And we can't dislodge him because he has some stronghold there over us. And there are three things we need to do when we give devil a, the devil a piece of our heart to take our heart back. And they all start with R. 
We need to repent. We need to renew. And we need to resist. So that's the three things we need to do. We're going to talk mostly this morning about repentance. And what do I mean when repent by repentance? And in this context, in our scripture, I heard Adrian Rogers this week say that text without a context is just a pretext. So what I want us to do this morning is look at the context. Our verse was verse 27, neither give place to the devil. But when we look a few verses before and a few verses after, and I can tell you, can I tell you something that might help you with your Bible study at home? When you're studying a verse and you can't figure out what it means, can I encourage you to go back to two or three verses before and two or three verses after and, and put all of that together and see if the Bible is its own best commentary? And quite often, if you look at the context of a paragraph, you'll see what it's talking about. So neither give place to the devil. There's some things we need to, to do to get rid of the devil. The first is repent. What do I mean by that? Verse 22. That you put off concerning that former lifestyle. The old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. There's some things that we need to put off in our lives. And by put off, I mean repent. I mean do away with them. Be done with them. Be finished with them. Say, I'm done with that. That's part of my old life. That's part of my fleshly life. And I, I brought up the E.F. Hutton a minute ago. Most of y'all, a lot of y'all are too young to remember Ralph Emery in the morning. Remember when Ralph Emery had his, the Ralph Emery show? And that's what we listen to every morning. And they had a aluminum siding commercial. And the, the saying that aluminum siding commercial company said was, don't put it off, put it on. And there are some things we need to put off to do away with. And the context tells us what that is. The first one is found in verse 25. If, if we want to get rid of the devil, the trick to it is not giving him a piece of our heart to start with. Well, one of the ways we can not give him a piece of our heart, verse 25, he says we need to put away lying. If we are not honest, if we don't tell the truth, we've created an atmosphere, a climate in our heart where the devil feels comfortable, right? That's where the devil likes to live. The devil is, John 8, 44, Jesus said, the devil is the father of liars. It should be our goal as Christians to live honestly. It should be our goal as Christians to live with integrity. We should not... Tell our co-workers we're Christians and have them look at us and say, really? We should be honest. God's kingdom is built on truth. And I'm not going to stay here too long. But if there is something in your life that's not honest, whether it's at work, whether it's with your spouse, whether it's with your kids or your grandkids or your neighbors, you need to put that off. You can't get rid of Satan having that stronghold in your life if you let live your life as a lie. It's got to be honest. Number two, look at verse 28. He says, let him that stole steal no more. Can I tell you this morning that if you stole so much as a 15 cent pencil from your job, you're a thief. 
And you say, Brother Andy, aren't you going too far? Listen to this. And this is not me, this is the Lord. Luke 16, 10. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in that which is much. And he that is unfaithful in that which is least is unfaithful in that which is much. Notice that Jesus did not say that if you are unfaithful in little, you might be unfaithful in much. He says if you're faithful in little, you'll be faithful in much. If you're unfaithful in little, you'll be unfaithful in much. If you're just a little thief, you might as well be a big thief. And let me say that I'm not pointing this out to anybody because the Lord's preached this to me all week. You say, well, I'm not a thief. Anytime you take something that belongs to someone else, you are stealing. Now, we're going to get real here real quick. What about stealing from your spouse? You say, well, I never went to my spouse's wallet, or I never taken any money out of her purse or his wallet. I don't steal from them. What about if you give attention to somebody else that you should be giving to your spouse? Can I tell you this morning that if you're getting emotional or physical satisfaction from someone other than your spouse, you are stealing from your spouse. Are you with me? You're a thief. Paul says, stop stealing. If we have an atmosphere of lying, if we have a heart that's got some thievery in it, we're giving Satan room to roam. We're giving Satan room to grow. What about your kids or your grandkids? You say, well, I wouldn't steal from my kids or my grandkids. What about when you go hang out with the boys? Or go hang out with the girls, have a girls weekend or a, or a guy's trip? when you ought to be spending time with your kids or your grandkids. Can I tell you, there's, and there, there's some older folks here that will give me an amen for this, I'm sure. Those of you who are younger and still have kids, and I know sometimes you're like, man, if I could just get away for just a while. Can I tell you that there'll come a point of time in your life, trust me, I sound like my father when I say it. The older I get, the more I sound like my dad. I've kind of noticed that. But can I tell you that there'll come a time and place in your life you'll wish your kids were around so you could spend time with them? Y'all remember the Harry Chapin song, Cats in the Cradle? It's true. Don't steal time from your kids. Don't steal time from your grandkids. Enjoy that time. Be with them. What about stealing from your employer? And I'm not talking about the 15-cent pencil. That's an issue. But what about the time clock? Do you give an honest day's work for an honest day's pay? Do you contribute to making your workplace a positive place to work? If not, y'all, you're stealing from your employer. And you're a thief. What about stealing from the Lord? You say, well, I wouldn't steal from the Lord. That's what they said in the book of Malachi. Malachi said, you guys, have been, when he's talking to Israel, Malachi 3, verse 8. We won't read it, but you can go back and read it on your own time. You tell I'm not making it up. 
Malachi says, you guys have been talking to Israel. Israel, you all have stolen from God. They say, well, how have we stolen from God? In your tithes and in your offerings. Did you know that everything you have belongs to God? And you say, well, Brother Andy, you're wrong there. I work. I go to work and I work hard for everything I've got. And yes, you do. But can I say this? Who gave you the strength and the ability and the intellect to be able to do your job? Amen? God, right? And God wants a portion of it back. Now, we talk about tithing, and by tithing, we're talking, we're talking about 10%. That's an Old Testament concept. Now, somebody says, Brother Andy, that's the Old Testament. We live in the New Testament. We live under grace, and my answer is, yes, we do. You know what that tells me? 10% ought to be a starting place. Because if we're not willing to give him the 10%, we're not recognizing the other 90% belongs to him anyway. And I'm not saying, and I'm not telling our treasurers to get a calculator and check and make sure everybody's giving their 10%. That's an honor thing between you and God. You ever been on the honor system? Like right now in Williamsport Lakes over in Murray County, it's a great place to fish, by the way. But you, you, have to, you have to have a fishing license and you have to buy a permit. And during the summertime, there's somebody there that makes sure you buy the permit. But in the wintertime, it's the honor system. So you, the permits are there and you put your money in their little box. I got a buddy of mine that went fishing over there and I said, how did your day go? He said, it went terrible. I said, well, why? What happened? He said, I went to that honor system thing, and he said, I thought, well, nobody's watching me. I, I, I'm just going to go on and fish today. And on the way down there, he said, I hit a big hole in the road, and I busted my tire. Not only busted my tire, it bent the rim. So they, and so I ended up spending all day at the shop getting my wheel fixed and my tire fixed. I said, you catch any fish? He gave me the ugliest look. <laughs> Y'all, God's going to get his, amen? amen? Those that stole, quit stealing. Take that part of your life back. If you're lying, tell the truth. There's people in prison. They, they would rather lie than tell the truth. And they don't have to be in prison. I've met other folks too. They, they'll tell you that the moon is purple just because they'd rather lie. I'm going to give you a big, I'm going to help you this morning. If you've got trouble with lying and stealing, I'm going to help you. Two words that you ought to remember. And you might want to write these down. It's complicated. If you're trying to get these things out of your two words, y'all ready? Stop it. Isn't that what Paul's saying here? Quit. Give it up. Repent. That's what we're talking about. If you want to get the devil out of your life, you've got to quit doing some things. If you want to get rid of the devil, you've got to quit living like the devil. So he says, quit lying, quit stealing. Then he says in verse 29, or oh, we're going to get even closer to home. Maybe. 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. You know what he's talking about there? Bad speech. 
filthy speech. Words and language that shouldn't come out of the mouth of a Christian. Words and language that comes out of children of the devil. Ephesians 5 verse 4 says, Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not convenient, but rather give thanks. Now some people have said, taken this verse and said, We ought not joke. I don't believe that's what this verse means. I think Jesus had a sense of humor that he used at times. I think laughing helps us. You might as well, if you didn't want to be laugh or cry, you might as well laugh, right? Laughing helps us. I, I told Leandra very early in her life, I said, if you can't learn to laugh at yourself, life is going to be a long life. We learned, so nothing wrong with that. But what he's talking about is dirty jokes, filthy jokes, talking like the world, acting like the world. You see, worldly people lie. Worldly people steal. Worldly people use bad language. And not just bad language. I'm talking about gossiping. I'm talking about talking about people. One of the inmates came to me last week and said, uh, telling me about another inmate. And said, I heard this inmate is doing this, 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 and that. I said, well, is it true? He said, I don't know. I said, well, if you don't know if it's true, why are you telling me? I said, how would you like it if somebody's talking stuff said, you did that? Said, well, I didn't do that. Well, how do you know he did that? And then I said, even if he did do that, did you accomplish anything by telling me what he did? You ought to go to the man if you're concerned about him and tell him about it. You see, gossip, gossip and slander and all of these kind of things, have no place in a Christian's heart and in a Christian's vocabulary. A lady went to church and on the way home the family was talking and the lady asked her husband and said, uh, did you see the new dress that Miss Diane was wearing? I can't believe she draw, wore a dress like that. He said, well, no, I didn't. I didn't see that. Well, did you see Bob sitting next to Susie this morning? I can't believe they sat next to each other. The man said, I, I, I didn't see that either. Can you believe, the lady says, can you believe that preacher wore green socks with a blue suit? Did you see that? And he said, I, I didn't see that. Why'd you come to church this morning? Are you worried about what folks are wearing? Are you worried about who's sitting with who? If we're coming to church just to get fuel for our gossip machine, you might as well go on to Walmart. Because let me tell you what, you'll fill it up there, amen? Filthy speech. While we're talking about filthy speech, I, I need to say this. If we have a filthy mouth, it's because we have a filthy heart. You ever thought about that? I know that's very pointed. But scripture tells us in Luke 6 verse 45, out of the abundance of the heart, 
the mouthpiece. Whatever you're thinking about, whatever's inside your heart, I'm not talking about that thing that pumps blood. I'm talking about your innermost being. Your thoughts, your inner man, your inner woman. Whatever's there is going to come out of your mouth. Sometimes at inopportune times. But Paul's not done. Down in verse 31. He gives us a bunch of things. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Watch this. Have you ever been bitter? You know what bitterness is. You're just angry. You're aggravated. And you're just mad. You're, you're, something didn't turn out the way that you think it should have. Or someone acted some way you think they shouldn't have acted. And, and you just let that fester. And you get bitter. I've noticed older folks sometimes get bitter. Because life hasn't turned out the way they would like for it to turn out. And there's young, they're bitter young folks too. But bitterness within itself does, doesn't just stop there. And can I tell you this? If you're bitter, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting those around you too. But bitterness doesn't stop with bitterness. Look what he said. He says, let all bitterness and wrath. You know what wrath is? Wrath is that internal smoldering Anger. It's bitterness on steroids. It's not been released outside yet, it's inside. It's like a bunch of old rags in the attic where there's no air conditioning. And those, attic, those rags just get warmer and warmer and warmer. That's wrath. And then it goes from, Paul is giving us a chain here. He's giving us an order. It goes from bitterness to wrath, and then to anger. Anger is when those internal rags bust on fire and become external. It's amazing, when I was managing McDonald's, every summer, or every spring, our owner would put new mulch around the, you know, around the parking lot and around the trees and everything that's there. It would never fail before the summer was over. We'd have three or four fires where that internal mulch, the, just the stuff inside of it, the heat, we catch the mulch on fire. And that's what happens to us when we're bitter. We're bitter. We can't get over it. We can't let it go. It turns into wrath, and that wrath just eats us up inside. It's smoldering. And all of a sudden, it explodes in anger. You have one of those fits. Your face gets red. That vein pops out. But it doesn't just stop with anger. He says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamoring. You know what clamoring is? That means you start shouting. You know what clamor? Clamor is just racket. It's noise. You ever heard a, when a person is angry, wouldn't you say they're loud quite often? They're loud. When, when they are having a fit, if your mom or daddy ever got angry at you and had a fit, you had no doubt that they were angry, right? They're clamoring. It gets louder. It gets louder. And it goes from bitterness to wrath to anger to clamoring. And then it goes to evil speaking. And you know what that is? You're shouting. You're yelling. And all of a sudden, you get out of control. You say, I hate you. Why did I ever marry you? 
You're the stupidest thing I've ever met. I wish you were dead. Isn't that the way that goes? And you know what Satan's doing? Satan's rubbing his hands saying, yeah, tell her this. Yeah, and tell him that. Not only that, but tell him this. Look, at you're doing good now. And all of that gets out. And then it turns to malice. Malice means you want to hurt somebody. The difference in evil speaking and malice, malice is your, or evil speaking is you're yelling at them. Malice is you want to choke them. And it comes out in physical ways. See how that works? Paul says we need to remove bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking. Let all that be put away with you. With a, put, a, put, all that, put all that stuff behind you. Because you know what? When you are angry and you tell your kids they're stupid. When you're angry and you tell your spouse, I hate you. I wish you were dead. You can never untake those words. You can never take, you, you can say I'm sorry, but you can never take them back. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When you're out of control, your unfiltered thoughts come flying through. That's why we need to repent. That's why we need to do away with all of these things. And you know what we do when, as a Christian, when we have lying and stealing and thieving and bitterness and anger and clamor and we're fussing and we're unsatisfied and we gossip and we do all these kinds of things? Look at verse 30. He says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Did you know that we can break God's heart? Have your kids ever broke your heart? Have your grandkids ever broke your heart? We can break God's heart. Well, do you know how we break the heart of God? We are saved, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. He's purchased our, purchased our temple. We talked about this last week. He's bought us with a price. He's purchased our temple, and we have allowed that temple to become a nest of Satan. We have opened the door. Can I remind you of this? The devil can't take anything that belongs to a saved person that we don't let him have. He doesn't have that authority. When we give our hearts to the Lord, we make Jesus our Savior, we make Jesus our Lord, we're saying, Lord, you're on the throne of my life, I give you my heart. Satan can't get it unless we give it to him. Can I tell you that we're not going to get rid of that devil's stronghold unless we repent. Repentance is not just being broken over your sin. It's being broken from your sin. The Bible says put it away. Be done with it. But after we repent, we've done that, we need to learn to resist. Because even after you repent, the devil is not going to walk out. He's not just going to leave. After all, he's comfortable there. He likes it there. He likes his camper and junky cars and a lot of music. He likes destroying your life. He likes interrupting your life. James 4, 7 tells us, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. 
What we've given the devil, we've got to take back. But just like me when I bought your acre, if I've got a legal right to have it, you can't get it back because legally I've got it. If we've given it to Satan, he's got a legal right to have it. We've got to get it back legally. You know how we do that? By giving it back to God. 1 John 1 verse 9 says, If we'll confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we've done that, we say, Devil, I've given you a place, but I take it back in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. Get out of my life. And scripture says, if we resist the devil, he will flee. Well, how do we resist? Very quickly, four things. First, through prayer. Stay prayed up. Lord, help me. I know today the devil's going to be after me. I know today Satan's going to be after me, especially when you tell Satan to get gone from something he's had. He liked it there. He's going to try to get, work his way back in, worm his way back in. Be prayed up. Say, Lord, lead me not into temptation. Help me see that way out that you provide me. Prayer. God's word. Stay in scripture. And I'm not just talking Bible reading. I'm talking about meditating, thinking, chewing, working on God's word. If you get your mind in God's word, it'll get out of the gutter. Amen? If you get your mind in God's word, it'll get off of Satan's things. Prayer. God's word. Listen. Effort. It takes effort. Now what I'm prone to do, and you may be too, is say, well, I'm just human. And after all, and we try once, and if, we, if we're not successful, we'll say, it's just no use. Resisting means constantly resisting. If I want to lose weight, I've got to resist the Reese's peanut butter cups, right? And not just once. But I tell you what happens, the same thing in my quest to lose weight. I say, I'm not going to eat that Reese's peanut butter cup. And then I go to Walmart to get a gallon of milk and I'm checking out. And the lines are always long, right? So there you are and they have Reese's peanut butter cups in about eight different flavors. And I just give in and I say, well, there's no use. So if I'm going to eat one, I might as well eat eight. <laughs> right? All eight of them to make sure I don't miss one. Resisting the devil takes effort, y'all. It takes consistency. Got to do it today. I got to do it tomorrow. Got to do it the next day. I got to resist. Resist through prayer. Resist through God's word. Resist through effort. Resist through consistency. So if I'm going to get rid of the devil, first I've got to repent. Second, I've got to resist. Finally, I've got to renew. Verse 23 of Ephesians 4 tells us, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, after which God is created in righteousness and true holiness. It's not enough to put off the old man. You have to put on the new man. And this jumped at me when I was going through this lesson this morning and reviewing it. Verse 24. That you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Our old man 
Our fleshly man is created in sin. The new man is created in holiness. We need to put off that old man and then get into the renewing with the new man. In my Bible, I've taken verses 22 and through 32, and I have circled in red those things I'm supposed to put off. I put off lying. I put off being angry. I put off stealing. I put off corrupt communication. I put off bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, and malice. And then I took a green pen, and I circled those things I'm supposed to put off. Red means stop, right? Green means go. I'm just kind of simple that way. And so that reminds me to see this. In green, I've got circled in verse 23, be renewed. Verse 24, I have circled, put on. Verse 25, I've got speak every man truth. Verse 26, let not the sun go down upon your anger. Verse 28, let him labor and work. Verse 29, give speech that is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. Verse 32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Ephesians 5.18 tells us we're to be filled with the Spirit. You know what that means? If we are filled with the Spirit, that means there's not one room in your temple, in your body, in your mind, where God is shut out. He's got a key to every closet. He's got a key to every door. He's got a key to every window. He's got a key to every file cabinet. He's got your passwords on your computer. Whatever you have, you've given God the key. That's being filled with the Spirit. In your family life, in your business life, your political life, your church life, your social life, in your money, your exercise, your sleep, your eating, in your lying down, in your waking up, Jesus, I give you the keys to all of it. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. You have a choice this morning. You have a choice to walk in the Spirit and walk filled in the Spirit or grieve the Spirit. What are you going to do? Can I tell you that you're never going to cease grieving the Holy Spirit until you learn to get Satan out of your life. And you're not going to get Satan out of your life unless you make a decision to stand against Satan and to yield to the Holy Spirit. Can I encourage you this morning to take these three things? Repentance, renewal, and resistance. And start walking in the fear of the Lord. And it may come by just taking one step. Maybe you never trusted Jesus as your Savior. You may say, now's the time. I'm tired of living the way I'm living. I'm tired of my life turning out the way it's turning out. I'm ready to change. I'm ready to be done. I'm ready to repent. It's really quite simple. Admit you're a sinner. Recognize you can't save yourself, but you understand Jesus died for you. He paid your debt on the cross of Calvary. Say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, please save me. And he promises to do just that. And maybe you've done that and you've given Satan a piece of your heart. And maybe he's built a stronghold in your heart. Maybe he's built that nest. Maybe he's built that beach front. 
Can I tell you that stopping it starts today? It's deciding, Satan, I'm finished. Satan, I'm done. And let God help you be done. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for this message that you've written down for us in Ephesians. And I pray that if there's someone here that is struggling with giving Satan a piece of their heart, I pray that you will give them the conviction and the courage to take it back this morning. Whether it's trusting Jesus as Savior and Lord for the first time, or if it's coming home, whatever their next step is to get in the center of your will, I pray you'll give them the courage and conviction to do that during this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen.